Good morning. We're doing pretty well, but we've already had a mistake, so we're, we're good, right? We got out of the way. Whew. <laughs> I did tell Ricky, I said it would be funny if I just came up and fell down and then my sermon would be over because you'd be, see, I failed. We're good. All right? That's the lesson you take with it. Oh, failure. What a loaded word. It has lots of meanings and it can take on different nuances depending on the context. And as I talk about it today, I'm mostly referring to the lack of successes or disappointments. Not necessarily talking about the big looming catastrophes. I've had some of those in my life too, but they probably deserve their own sermon. And this is the first time I've been up here, so let's keep some mystery. What I'm talking about today are things or events or happenings that feel insufficient or imperfect. Whatever it is is not how I wanted it to be. So my name is Leah Cooper. And I'm a member here at the Unitarian Universalist Church of Loudoun. And not only am I a member of the congregation, as Ricky pointed out, I'm also a member of the governing board. So I'm here a lot. (laughs) And I enjoy a lot of the aspects of board work. I like the discussion and the increased engagement I feel with the church community. And I like feeling like I have a voice and that my perspective is appreciated. But I'm not just a board member. I'm the board secretary. I think it even says it on my name tag. In most nonprofits like we are, the biggest responsibility of a secretary is to take minutes. Um, Minutes are the written record. So you want to have a record of any big discussions that happen, motions, votes. You want people to know what they're supposed to do before the next meeting. And you want future board members to know the history of what the board has worked on. You take notes during the meeting, you type them up, and you send them out. I am terrible at it. I'm just awful. (laughs) The minutes have gone out on time exactly once in my multi-year tenure. Once. We have meetings every month, just in case you're wondering. Uh, And it's not a question of ability. I'm a professional office administrator, okay? Typing and formatting and editing, that's that's my jam. It's what I do. But I am a failure of a secretary, and I'm not the worst, I hope, but I, I am getting better, but I'm not thriving in the role. It's a failure. Um, I am carrying baby weight that I just can't seem to lose. My baby is three years old. I was heavier than I wanted to be before I got pregnant. And before I had him, because I had a very difficult time getting pregnant. Um, And I was sad, and I ate my feelings, and there were hormones involved. Um, But really, before that, I was heavier than I wanted to be, because I hit 28 and realized that you cannot eat like a teenager in your late 20s and still look like a teenager. And it feels like a failure. And I've wanted to start my own business. Since we moved to Virginia about five years ago, I started my own millinery business, but the market for couture, one-of-a-kind hats is very small here. It's very small in the United States and most of the world, in all honesty. Um, So I ended up shuttering my business, and I decided to get another job that would be more financially stable 
And then I finally did get pregnant and I stayed home for a year. And I have another job that I enjoy, but it is not my dream job. I have another idea for a business and I want to start it while I have another job and I have the resources and flexibility to move forward, but I cannot seem to fill out the forms. I can't seem to get out of the gate. And it feels like a failure. I think about these imperfect situations a lot as I go through life. And they take up a lot of mental energy. But they've also become some really great learning opportunities over the past year or two. Being the board secretary was not something I was interested in. I did it because there was a need and I was already on the governing board as an at-large member. I did not appreciate how difficult it would be or how quickly the former secretary turned those minutes around. God bless you, Carol. (laughs) I am striving to be better, but I'm also sitting with my discomfort. I may never be good at this job. In fact, my tenure as secretary is coming to a close, so we're pretty much locked down that it's not going to get that much better. I think we can safely say I've left something to be desired when it comes to the mechanics of the job, but I tried. I tried something that was best suited to parts of myself that I don't always give a lot of attention to, the quieter aspects that actively listen, the aspects more inclined to focus on the day-to-day work of the church that may be less interesting to me, but is vital. And being in this role has helped me to understand others in the church and in my wider circle. When they don't get back to me fast enough or plan far enough advance or, or drop the ball in some way, because we are all trying. And people have lives and families, and sometimes they just can't muster the energy to do whatever it needs to be done, and that's okay. And I try very hard to give grace because, boy, oh boy, do I need it from other people. And when I feel like I have not been successful in being the weight I want or looking the way that I want, I remember that this body has grown an entire human being against a lot of odds, if I'm honest. And my body moves me through life, and even though I don't always treat it well, I should respect it, and respect myself, and be gentle with it, and kind, because I would never talk to other people about their bodies, or the way they look, the way I talk to myself. And don't I deserve compassion like everyone else? And as I struggle with my body image, I try to remember how much better I feel when I exercise, how it is not selfish to take an exercise class, right? And I remember those physical parts of myself that don't get enough attention, and I try and let them shine and be strong. And every time someone starts a new business in this town, which is very often, (laughs) and they get a write-up in Loudon now, especially when it's similar to what I want to do, I get jealous, and inside I get mean. And then I think, good for them, because it is a lot of paperwork, oh, and a lot of stress, and they're being out there in the world with, the, with their dream, and they're being vulnerable. <clears throat> to be fair, this one is a little bit trickier. The lesson in failure here is just that I tend to procrastinate, and so I'm not going to berate myself for this one, but 
it's a very, as uh, Master Yoda would say, do or do not, there is no try sort of situation. So come this coming week after my sermon is put away, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to fill out the forms. Sometimes that's the lesson is you just got to do it. It doesn't matter that these are small things in the wider universe. They're just examples. You have your own examples, I'm sure. It's not really the substance of the failure that I'm looking at. It's the fact that when we fail and are imperfect and we admit it, we practice humility. And as we practice humility, we build up resilience and flexibility. And as we build up resilience, we realize with more and more consistency that when we misstep or make a mistake or fail, that it will not be the end of us. I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to do your best or that you should be glib when you fail and it affects others. But not making mistakes would make you perfect. And that is simply not possible. Brene Brown is a research professor who spent decades studying courage and vulnerability and shame and empathy. And she writes in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, perfectionism is a self-destructive and addictive belief system that fuels this primary thought. If I look perfect live perfectly, and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of shame, judgment, and blame. Perfectionism is not the same thing as striving to be your best. Perfectionism is not about healthy achievement and growth. Perfectionism is a 20-ton shield that we lug around, thinking it will protect us, when in fact it's the thing that's really preventing us from taking flight. In order to reach our true potential as multifaceted and adaptable human beings, we have to become more comfortable with our imperfections and our failings. We have to try new things and let the aspects of ourselves that we are not as confident in come up for air, even if it's uncomfortable and even if we aren't good at it. <clears throat> Discomfort and failure and imperfection can be so good for us and good for the wider world. In many cultures around the world, art and architecture are purposely flawed, albeit very subtly, to remind us that only the creator is perfect. In the Diné tribe of the southwestern United States, spirit lines, small flaws, usually in the shape of a line, are purposely woven into rugs and baskets. Not only are they a reminder of our imperfections, but a way for the artist's spirit to escape their peace lest they leave a piece of themselves forever imprisoned in their perfect creation. Imperfection is a safeguard against hubris. This safeguard is vitally important for Unitarian Universalists, especially as we work to decenter the privileged aspects of society and work towards a fully inclusive community. In an essay adapted from her book, After the Good News, Progressive Faith Beyond Optimism, Nancy McDonald Ladd states simply that nothing we do will be perfect. Let's start from there, right? Nothing we do will be perfect. 
She goes on to explain that liberal religious people not only tend to believe that we are called to perfection, but we also believe that we are already basically perfect, already basically converted, and already basically blessed. At times, we like to imagine these things without allowing for further conversions that might impinge on our freedom to be exactly as we already are and to do exactly what we have been doing all along. She says this is especially true for the white liberals among us. Thus, the moment that the supposed ontological goodness of those same responsible white liberals is called into question by voices at the margins of congregational or societal power, a form of guilt arises that can be all but paralyzing. We don't like to follow strategies that we did not set. We don't like to enter vulnerably into work at which we will not definitely succeed. As white leaders in the liberal church, our historic theology and lived experience of privilege has doubly conditioned us to these tendencies, and it too often results in our retreat into defensiveness or resignation. That is a lot to unpack. <laughs> I know. And it's written towards white leaders in a historically white church, but we can all benefit from letting go of expectations of perfection. This default into defensiveness or resignation that Ladd addresses is why it is so important that we practice humility in failing and losing and being wrong and misspeaking. The practice part is so important. Humility and grace and resilience are skills like anything else. They are not the default for most of us. And in order to cultivate a skill or a habit, you have to practice. It is important work because it helps, give us, it helps us give grace to ourselves and those we have relationships with and have better interactions in our daily lives. And as we practice and become more comfortable with discomfort, we will be better prepared for the weary work of dismantling white supremacy, of changing systematic oppression, and of making a difference for the better in this world. Let's take small risks and have small failures so our default reaction to adversity is one of curiosity rather than defensiveness, for our default to be resilience rather than resignation. Let's build ourselves up little by little. We'll enjoy things more. We'll become lights that don't dull in the face of adversity. Maybe we will inspire others with our humility simply by being our humble, resilient selves. Or maybe not. But whether we are fully successful or we just continue to practice, when we can let go of perfectionism and the fear of failure, it becomes so much easier to just be in the world. If we can try to live in an authentic way where we are comfortable with our own imperfections and choose to see failings as a growth opportunity, it makes living in the world so much less burdensome and leaves so much more room for joy. <clears throat> So with that in mind, I'd like to do a little exercise. You'll notice that we have the offering at the end of service today. Okay, we've been talking about stewardship and the pledge drive this month. We've been talking about the treasure aspect of giving, which is vitally important. But today we're also going to think about the non-monetary aspects of giving, the time and the talent, right? So, before we pass the baskets, I want you to get out some cards. They were either slipped into your order of service, they're just blank index cards, 
Or you can raise your hand and Miss Judith will bring you one. And we've got some markers as well in the pews. I'm going to wake you up a little bit. So I want you to think about our time for all ages reading, all those different parts of yourselves, the highs and the lows and the loud and the quiet. All right? Just kind of think about it. And, and I just want to tell all of you, because I know that some of you are true to the core introverts, this is not an anonymous exercise. <laughs> you don't have to announce it, but if you're going to opt into this exercise, you are going to put your name on the card so you can totally opt out and just not put anything. That is totally fine. I just felt I needed to warn you. So you're going to put your name on the card. Legibly. And then I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about some aspect of the church that you're interested in that you don't participate in. Just kind of really think about it. And if, you, if there is absolutely nothing that you have not tried in this church, then you can just take a break. Is there a committee that you'd like to join but you feel intimidated about joining? Are you an accountant and you'd like to help decorate for the service auction? Are you a dancer and you want to be on the finance committee, but you're afraid that you might fail? Are you a kindergarten teacher who does not want to teach RE, but you really love gardening? Think about it. Put it on the card. You write your name and some activity or volunteer position in this church that interests you or something that doesn't exist here, but you would like to see and you would like to try out. Okay, and then after you're finished, when the offering baskets go around, you're going to drop it in the offering basket. You're going to offer us a piece of yourself today. We're going to be a little bit vulnerable with each other. I'm not doing this exercise because I got up here and gave a sermon. (laughs) It's really outside my comfort zone right now, so... Right, extra bonus points if you've never done what you write on the card, and you might totally fail. Because what safer space to fail than in your church community? And what if you don't fail? What if you put down that 20-ton shield of perfection, and you're able to fly? <laughs>